got ourselves an invisibility ray. When an unsettled score takes Buffy out of the picture, will she slay that way forever? That remains to be seen, like you. See why time calls Buffy smarter, funnier, and dramatically richer than ever. Can we get back to freaking out about no-show Buffy? An all-new Buffy. <laughs> Welcome to the Black Chronicles, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beat Me. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago. And this week's episode is Season 6, Episode 11, Gone. We'll be talking about plot. We'll be talking about the characters. And hey, we'll be talking about invisibility. So spoilers abound for this episode, every episode before it, every episode after it, and probably other TV shows and movies. We are podcasting. Well, I'm podcasting, and you're looking at me funny. Hello! That was the slowest intro you've ever done. I know. I feel like I do it. I was like, I'm going to go so fast, and then, no, no, no. Slow, purposeful, articulate, trying to work on that. Slow it down a little bit. I feel like sometimes I talk way too fast, and then you can't understand me. Is that important? Probably not. Uh, well, who am I? The person who is talking at a speed that is either too fast or too slow. My name is Kelly, uh, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Asia. Say hello. Hello. And my other co-host, Daniel. Say hello. Beat me pod. She said pod. You know kids today with their bug and street slang. <laughs> uh, we are here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I think I mentioned that before. Season 6, episode 11, Gone, which originally aired on January 8th of the year 2002. We finally made it to the Welcome year to 2022, 2022, baby. Uh, there was a uh, six weeks, I think, between this one and the last one. The last one was like January 27th or November 27th, something like that. So, anyway, we made it. And this episode in the new year is written and directed by David Fury. This is the first one of only two that he directs. The mm-hmm. next and last one will be uh, Lies My Parents Told Me. And for writing, this is the 13th of 17. Last one was Life Serial, and next will be Grave, this season six finale. Uh, what happened in this episode? Um, I, You know, well, Buffy gets a surprise visit from a social worker that goes really poorly because Spike showed up at her house unannounced to get his lighter back, his crucial lighter that's very important to his character and his life lighter that he could not possibly live one moment longer without. And yeah. The social worker thinks that it's Buffy's boyfriend. He makes a bad impression on top of the fact that when the social worker opens the door, Don says, hopefully I don't get in another car accident. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, the social worker leaves with the impression that Buffy's probably not a great guardian and uh, Buffy needing to do something drastic cuts her hair because that's what you do when you are feeling feelings. You got to cut your hair. On her way out of the hairdresser's place, salon, that's what those are called, uh, she gets shot. By a beam of something that makes her invisible, and the shooters are none other than the trio, Warren, Andrew, and Jonathan. They made an invisibility ray with that big-ass diamond. That was why they stole the big-ass diamond. Thank God we used it. Uh, Buffy goes on some little bit of hijinks adventure while being invisible. She's kind of a jerk, actually, uh, and has invisible sex with Spike because somehow when you're invisible, it's fine. You don't have to worry about any, like moral whatever hangups you were having a minute ago it's fine now you're invisible you're a different person uh meanwhile willow has been struggling with 
her very intense, though very brief addiction to magic that uh, she is still suffering withdrawals of some sort from. <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. I got to get to the end of this. Uh, Buffy, part of her hijinks is she goes into the uh, social worker's office and fucks up all of her stuff, makes her think she's crazy. So she gets another interview with another social worker through her actions, which is great. Hopefully that means that Don can stay and everything will be fine. And this is a plot point that won't actually matter because we fixed it within the same episode we created it. Uh, Turns out being invisible has a drawback when it's done with a high thing of radiation with the diamond gun from three nerds that made it. And the people or objects that become invisible are unstable and eventually will turn into pudding. So that's not great. We don't want Buffy to be pudding. So we need to un-invisible her, but only the trio can do it. Luckily, Willow is able to do some behind the scenes forensics that no one should be able to do based on very little information and track down the trio who... Then use her as a hostage to get Buffy to the place, which is the arcade, to revisible her anyway. So it wouldn't have mattered if Willow tracked them down because they were going to go revisible Buffy of their own accord. But it's fine. They revisible her. The trio goes away. And we're sad on the sidewalk. Is that everything? I, just like, <laughs> I think so. This episode makes and like creates and solves problems that aren't real problems multiple times. And it just, uh, God. Okay. Things. Fun facts, maybe. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar requested to cut her hair. Requested because, I don't know if you know this, there was a show on the WB called Felicity, and the star of which cut her hair, and they blamed that single action on the decline of the show because it was a pretty well-received show. She cut her hair over the summer, unbeknownst to any of the producers and writers, and they say that that's why the show dipped in ratings afterwards. So That's stupid. So because of that, everyone's on high alert. With the hair stuff. So you can't just cut your hair. If you're Sarah Michelle Gellar and you want to cut your hair, you better ask somebody first. Did you better ask somebody. Yeah, so during the first couple of scenes, it's a wig. Yeah. Like, she's just wearing a wig straight up. And so she had already cut her hair before for something like this. But yeah, uh, the hairdresser is or was, po- is still or whatever, was or possibly still is a real <laughs> shop in Torrance, <laughs> California, called Continental Hair and Nail Design. It's a real place. Uh the, you know how that gross thing that Spike's ear does? We're supposed to think that mm. Buffy's nibbling on her ear. I guess they glued a stick. <laughs> they glued a stick to his ear and then digitally removed it. And I just love the idea that somebody rubber cemented a stick to James Marster's ear and it's just like... Worth it. Movie magic, man. Speaking of magic, apparently, I can't confirm this. I watched this episode three times and I didn't see it any of the times. But supposedly, when Buffy's doing the great magic paraphernalia purge at the beginning where she's like sliding off no candles no nothing what did she say oh candles are like bongs dear god uh (laughs) supposedly there's a little fertility statue on there that was in the episode the witch but i did not see it any of the times i know that don then says the cocapelli fertility statue thing which we don't actually see but i i don't know i don't know was that worth saying? Probably not. Ellen Hampton, who is the wife of David Fury, hey, the guy that wrote and directed this episode, and also never forget, co-wrote Go Fish, which was his first episode that he wrote, or co-wrote because he co-wrote with his wife. She's in this episode. She is the blonde woman that's sitting behind the uh, main social worker that we interact with, who's doing all the reactions of like, this woman's fucking crazy. This woman's crazy. So, Ellen Hampton, what's up? Uh, I think that's it. I think that's all I want to I wanna say right now, because what I really want to do is know... What you thought about the episode, Stacia? Um, I mean, it's nice to have like a low stakes episode, and it's fun to see Buffy, you know, kind of get away from her n- need to be like the moral center of the group, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's 
also very clunky and awkward and cringy. Um, so, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's watchable, but it's yeah. definitely not memorable. Yeah. Daniel, what did you think about the episode? Uh, I love that Sarah Michelle Gellar got a break. You know, usually in shows, there'll always be like one episode where they just don't work. So she's just giving ADR <laughs> three weeks later. Which yeah, yeah. I mean, excellent stuff. Showed up for a couple set scenes and that was that was it, you know. So I'm glad she got a little bit of a break. Got to cut her hair. That was pretty great. Last week, I highlighted a classic bad Buffy episode, you know, criteria. And this one has the, the biggest one of all, which is... You know, Buffy sees the, the people that turn her invisible and does nothing about it. And for the moment that the show starts, we're already off to bad footing. And it makes <laughs> yes. no sense. It makes no sense. Willow says things like, I have paint scrapings and a tire mark. That's all she needs. And it's like, oh, OK. So, like, literally nothing matters. And that's fun. That can definitely be fun. But, you know, is it watchable? Yeah. Season six. Great. The show is at a high quality. But, like, whew bad not not good stuff really didn't like it although i mean all the stuff about like you know the invisibility liberating her it's not stuff that we haven't done though we've done she was dead and like Mm. she's likening her death to invisibility so it's like we're also retreading that spike talking about him and buffy we've retreaded that i can't think of anything new in this episode at all except for maybe the social worker yeah and the only laugh, like the genuine laugh, laugh, laugh I got was at the end when they're like, it's Tucker's brother. It's Tucker's brother. That was funny. <laughs> genuinely laughed out loud. The rest of it, I can't remember. I just can't remember if there were any jokes. You're... Jonathan? You have chest hair? Warren? Who are you? Andrew... I summon the flying monkeys that attacked the high school. During the school play, you know? It's Tucker's brother. It's Tucker's brother. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really the the trio that only that they were the only comic relief. I mean, that's kind of what their design is, but it's just like that's a bummer. Not even Anya got a good one in, which is it's just too bad. Uh, I agree this episode is not great. I think the last one minute of the show is the only part that's worthwhile and is like, I don't know, it's just a lot of not great shit. Um, At least they talked. We've been talking a lot about them never talking. Yeah, which is, that's what I'm saying. They actually did get to talk, yeah. The last one minute was like kind of Mm -hmm. the only thing that mattered. Um, And maybe some Dawn stuff that we'll talk about because she's clearly feeling some feelings that we're not addressing yet. But yeah, it's just... As far as fun romp episodes go, I this one's not flooded was better than this. You know what I mean? Like we we've, we've already done a couple episodes uh this season that are better than Life Serial was better than this. So it's just like, yeah, this one's just not do it for me. But as has become custom, uh um, we're going to hear from Marty Noxon about the episode. Oh, great. Quote, the bit when Oh my god. The bit when Spike seems to be by himself when in fact he was having sex with the invisible Buffy was something that Joss and David Fury got all excited about where as I was like, "Ew." It was disturbing to me. It still is. It just shows you that even I have my limits. We also got some criticism that the trio wasn't threatening enough, but I wasn't really hip to that. We just thought that they were so funny. Maybe they amused us more than it than did others, but we thought their motivation was so interesting. I think that people were objecting I think what people were objecting to wasn't the particular momentum that's that what the fuck? I think what people were objecting to was that there wasn't the particular momentum that season like, here it comes, here's the big bad. Which is true. Sorry, I'm, I, I broke my quote. I'm so quiet. 
Maybe we were being a little more experimental. I just think we were tired of running the same scenario because you can only say it's the worst thing ever so many times before you start feeling like the biggest liar in the world. So the whole season was structured differently from anything we'd done, and I enjoyed that. And, I mean, that's, you know, yeah. true. It's very true. Clearly, we didn't do – we didn't even introduce them at this – I think, like, episode three-ish is when we do it. But, like, yeah, it's definitely not – they don't have that punch of, like, you see glory, like, oh, shit. Bad things are about to happen. You know, you're dealing with the mail and you're like, oh, God, insidious things. They're just like a couple of fucking dorks hanging around. What are they going to do? What do they do? They do bad things, yeah. They make Buffy invisible. Is that even possible? I don't know. Stacia, tell me about invisibility. I'm invisible, girl. I really hope you say yes. I really hope that after your research, (laughs) the answer is yes. Yes. Okay, I'm not quite quite sure in the order in which I should... um, present these disjointed thoughts but i guess i'll just start with saying yes invisibility is possible yes i see all right but i feel like you're about to do some <laughs> magician <laughs> illusionist shit no. like yeah if you've got like a an, a really, an elephant and a, an airplane no. hanger and some mirrors no, and some smoke a, no 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 <laughs> invisibility is possible and i will explain to you how it's done oh man but first i would like <laughs> to know how yeah. But first, a message from our sponsors, Casper the Mattresses. If only! God. How you doing there, Giles? You get much sleep last night? Uh, okay, first, I would like to start with a round of asking my co-hosts some questions. Ooh. First, I would oh. like to know, how do you define invisibility? Uh, I would define invisibility as... In like the comic booky type of way that we're doing in the show, which is like you are a phys- you're still a physical entity, but you cannot be perceived by the human eye anymore. Would camouflage count? By the definition that I just stated, yes, but that's absolutely not what I meant. <laughs> Dana, what do you think? Uh, I mean, this one's weird. Where it's like she is. We know that she's wearing clothes. She is like anything that touches her. She becomes it all becomes invisible. That to me is not classic invisibility. So it is strange because it would just be naked people running around. Like if I was invisible in my, in my, any scenario, I would have to be naked because if I had a sock on, it would be, I would be noticed, you know, cause she can pick up objects, but not the stuff she's wearing. That's odd. That's oh, got to go. Like a uh, hollow man. Ho- that's the hollow man way. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know if you ever saw that movie with Kevin mm-hmm. Bacon, but yeah, so he's, he's basically naked the whole time because if he puts any kind of yeah. clothing on, he's no longer invisible but i wonder if the distinction here is that she got shot uh, with yeah. the ray and all of her clothes got shot at the same time just like how the, the yeah. dumpster and the pylon and everything turned invisible too yeah. so that's fair. so that's you, fair. you can make the case that if she had been naked when she got shot she then would not you know, i think if that if on. she had because she took off her clothes right when she was having sex with spike and they were invisible right. and they were invisible yeah, yeah. and i would think that if she then put on like spike shirt or something that would, would show, be. right? Because you can yes. see her body in the sheets, right? right? Yeah. Like the sheets don't become invisible. So I think her clothes are just also made invisible. Which, I w- if you put on her clothes and you were not invisible, then the, just mm. the clothes would be invisible? Mm. Yeah, I think your head would just be bouncing around and like your hands and stuff. <laughs> okay. You know, because like it wouldn't be covering your head. If you put on, like, a jacket. Right, 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 yeah. Anyway, yes, okay. Did that give you anything? No. <laughs> but see, this is the problem, is, like, first, how do you define invisibility? Because, yeah, you think of it as, like, the comic book sense of, like, there's a person and they're just completely invisible. Um, but, you know, when you actually go to look at, like, practical or, like, you know, things that you experience in real life, it's like, well, if invisibility means I can't see something, does that mean if an animal has really good camouflage, they're invisible? I can 
see them, but I'm not perceiving them. Mm-hmm. Is that the same thing? And, you know, you take it to different levels because, like, you know, you have, like, mantis, not mantis. What are they called? Praying mantis bugs where they look like sticks, so you don't notice them. But then they have flatfish where they have some sort of thing that lets them refract what the bottom of the ocean looks like on the top of their skin so when you're looking at them from above it just looks like more ocean and then a step above that octopuses or octopi whatever can change colors but they can also change textures so not only could they be rock colored but they could be rock textured is that invisible you're still seeing them but you're not seeing them as an octopus things i'm struggling with Yeah, and that's also the question of like, okay, so let's let's take Buffy, right? So she's invisible as the way that I would think about it. And you can see through her. Yes. Right? Which is interesting because like there's this oh you could be like clear, but then not the light could not go through you, you know what I mean? So like if I was standing in front of a wall, you would just see like a nothing in front of a wall. That could be a type too, because the light's not getting through me. Yeah. So like but I wouldn't think that. I would like I. I'm thinking your see through in the sense that you can then see the background. But then it's like, yeah, is camouflage not that? I mean, that fish sounds like that's it. I can see through the yeah, fish yeah. to the background yeah. essentially. Well, and the show even mentions too with the. I'm glad. I mean, great callback. We don't get a whole lot of them this season. Oh, mercy. mercy. Yeah, no. Which was really great. So like that's another perceiving. I don't know if you're gonna have, even say that, but like, yeah, you're there, but you're not even noticed. So mm-hmm. are you invisible then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it. a lot of the like practical invisibility is basically, you know doing things that make you less obtrusive. So blending into the background, wearing camouflage, you know, affecting like sort of hunched shoulders and like a quiet demeanor, those kinds of things. So that if you're in a crowd and say you're trying to evade police, they're not going to notice you. You're essentially invisible to them because, you know, you've uh, essentially faded into the background. So it's a it's a tricky concept to get your, your hands around it or to like, you know, see clearly because there's so many um, variables. Okay, my second question for you guys is, if you could have a superpower, would you want to have invisibility? And if so, why? I mean, it would always. I think it would always be flying for me, but I wouldn't mind being invisible. I mean, it would be a slug because in my head, I would have to be naked all the time. And that's... <laughs> that, would, that would just be strange. I mean, I don't... You know, the benefit... I, you know, that's the thing. It's like... I think I'd just sit on a bus seat with your bare butt. <laughs> I mean, it just... I mean, it, you never really would have to, right? Because you could just go and steal running cars. You know, you could just do kind of anything. But, I mean, it just feels very lonely, I was, I suppose. But I guess flying would be, too, because you're the only one flying up there. But there's birds, I guess. But I don't know. <laughs> well, do you get to turn it off? That's the thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. if yeah. you can turn it off and on at will, I think invisibility is pretty cool. But if you, like, have to be invisible forever and ever... I don't know. Maybe not. I think it, it never... leads to crimes. It leads. I mean, I, they yeah. all kind of lead to crimes in my head. It's like yes. the power would just be so overwhelming to do bad things, and so that's why we're not superheroes. I feel like because it would <laughs> yeah. be bad. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. and that's kind of. I, I would always go. The thing I always go through is, is fucking Professor X. I want mind control, man. I want for that reason for crimes. I want to do crimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think that being invisible wouldn't be as handy as being the mind control if I want to do crimes. Mm. So really, yeah. No. See, I don't like when in in the show when they said uh, we'll be invisible, we'll be unstoppable. I'm like, is it true? Like, is that the key? Being invisible is that all you need to do? Why not? I don't know, but I feel I like... I mean, if you could walk into a bank and no one can see you and you wait till someone opens the vault and you go in and you steal the money and you walk back out. But yeah. I could just have the bank teller open it and give it right to me. Exactly. And, and everyone around there be like, <laughs> yeah. everything's oh, cool. This is yeah. uh, this is my money. I was supposed to take it. Yeah. But it's like functionally the same result. But I feel like invisibility, I feel like they're like, you know, 
I'm thinking sci-fi stuff where there's like motion trackers and even though you're invisible, they can still there were heat sensors or something mm-hmm. in that room that's going to prevent you from doing it. But if you got if you got the brain, this it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What what superpower yeah. do you want? Oh, I would love to be able to teleport. Oh, oh yeah. that's a great I mean, that's one. Pretty, that's clever. Yeah, that's the one I would want. Um, but I thought it was interesting that you said it immediately makes me think of crimes because one of the things that I ran across looking into invisibility was basically anyone who wants invisibility, it's not for a good reason. <laughs> Either you want invisibility so you can get away with something or so you can be somewhere you're not supposed to be. Yeah. And when you ask people, why would you want to be invisible? They either say things like, I want to steal from a bank or I want to go to a, into a girl's locker room. Like I want to be a weird yep. keeping Tom situation. So it's like this, also this interesting thing where it's like humans, like back, 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 you know, in ancient Greece or whatever, have always like thought about invisibility, wanted to be invisible. Like this is not like a new concept necessarily, but it's also like humans have been pervy since the dawn of time, sure. I guess. Sure. Like <laughs> just think about like weird Greeks being like, man, if only I could get into that lady's only bathhouse. <laughs> <laughs> You know? You penis! Oh, cheer up, Frodo. Because thanks to my brains and our mystical gem, we got ourselves an invisibility ray. And I'd say that makes us pretty much unstoppable. Gracefully segue into my next segment. I would like (laughs) to talk about (laughs) invisibility spells throughout time. Nice. Nice. (sighs) Okay, so in 1860, there was a spell that instructs you to acquire a severed head of a man who committed suicide. Oh my God. Yes. You must bury this head with seven black beans on a Wednesday morning before sunrise. Most of these invisibility spells require intense punctuality. So, like, let's just keep that in mind. (laughs) Wednesday morning before sunrise, you water the ground for seven days with fine brandy. On the eighth day, the beans will sprout. You have to coerce a little girl into picking the beans for you, shell them, and you put one in your mouth, and it will make you invisible. (laughs) Too much. No one could possibly do it. (laughs) If you don't think that you could source a conveniently dead, unalive man. Dead, unalive. And um, take his head. (laughs) Yeah. You could also do what the Munich Handbook instructs you to do. This is a 15th century grimoire, which gives you instructions for how to summon four demons. Which must be done thusly. Under a waxing moon on a Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> Wednesdays. It's the day to be invisible. <laughs> In the first hour of the day, having remained chaste for three days beforehand. <laughs> And with hair cut back and beard and dressed in white, you must go to a secret place outside of town under a clear sky on level ground. You make a circle with a sword and then you chant the demons' names while you light candles. Sure. The Four bonds. demons should materialize, in which case you can request of them an invisibility cloak. Oh. One of the demons will leave and he will return in an hour with your cloak. You can take your cloak and you go off and you've got three days. On the third day, you have to go back to where you summon the demons and take your white garment back. If you don't do that and you come back on the fourth day, your white garment won't be there and you will die in seven days. <laughs> okay. Oh, from be- that Punctual. <laughs> You're going to summon these demons. <laughs> okay. The last one. If you guys don't want to do all of this planning, you don't have that much time, I understand. <laughs> what you do is you gather water from a fountain at exactly midnight. No. Exactly. On Wednesday? Any day. Okay. okay. Good. This does involve a few days of waiting, though. <laughs> you bring it to a boil. And I'm sorry, trigger animal abuse. You drop a black cat in it. You let it simmer for 24 hours. 
You fish out whatever is left, throw the meat older over your shoulder, put the bones in your teeth, and you look in the mirror. And you'll know it works when you're invisible. <laughs> so, which bone? The all ones that are there. All of the bones. What it says is, while looking in a mirror, place them one by one on the teeth on the left side of your mouth. See, none of these ones have like a, an off switch, though. Like the, that's what you were saying. Like, there's no way to stop. So if I'm well, putting all the bones well, the demon in, one, you only get your cloak for, for three, three days. days. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. See, that's there's nice. another one I found where you have to make like a little wax cast and you have to go out into the into the forest and light a fire and chant some words and then you bury it and then you have to wait some amount of time this takes like a year of planning so that's why i didn't include it like this is really for it's like (laughs) the first day of the year or whatever but for that one what you do when you want to become invisible you dig up your little wax guy and you're invisible and then when you don't want to be invisible anymore you rebury it that's good yeah the off switch i think is essential yeah so we're lucky that that's not what the um trio had to do yes yeah, this so, one just kind of sucks. You just turn into pudding. I mean, like, that's rough, too. <laughs> Not ideal. Like, that's a bad outcome. I don't know if that's... I guess that's probably worse than having a demon come and kill you seven days after you don't return its clothes. Yeah. Unless you're Buffy and you can fight him off, and then what? You're just yeah. alive forever, but you're invisible? That would suck. You're Since the medieval ages, technology has advanced. You don't just have to go around killing cats and searching for dead men <laughs> whose heads you can steal. <laughs> Okay, you have other options. So let's. I want to talk about some recent advancements in invisibility technology. Yes. This shit is dark because who wants to be invisible? Militaries want to be invisible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do science adjacent with Buffy and friends. <laughs> Beautiful. Mm-hmm. We're going to get copyright stricken. No. Well, I'm. A, this is going to make a ton of sense. Okay. There's a YouTube channel called Evan and Caitlin. If you don't watch it, you should fucking watch it. The most recent video that they just came out with is about lenticular lenses. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they do a whole video about it. It's interesting to see in person, but it's the sheet of thin plastic that has a bunch of little tiny long lenses across it. And essentially what it's doing is it's refracting the light in such a way that anything you put behind it is essentially invisible. So you can't see it. This was developed for military technology, which I did not think about when we watched the video. Yeah, me either. Are you a soldier? I'm a comfortador. You're neither. The idea is you can put it on riot shields and then soldiers can carry it and it you can't see them. Like, they don't look like a person. They just sort of fade into the background. Or in bigger shields, you can put them over tanks. They're talking about that they're trying to create it so it's a fabric. So you could put it on parachutes for snipers to drop in, and then they could make a little hideout and kill people that way. <laughs> so it's not truly invisible, though, because essentially what you're doing is you're putting something in front of you, between you and the viewer, that's removing their sense of perspective and um but they can't actually see through you to the background so it's not actually invisible it's like super high tech i mean as high tech as a piece of plastic can be um camouflage in a sense where it's only as effective from certain areas and certain angles you know like some camouflage it'll break down if you get too close or if you're in the wrong area or whatever I'm less with the why and more with the how. We get the how, then we got how to make her unseen sight seen again, right? But 
There is true invisibility. True being what? I think we discussed how there is no... True being you cannot perceive it. Okay, I'm sorry. I am not a scientist. <laughs> what? And do the best I can. Divorce. Light waves. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm with tell you. me more. They are... There are different kinds. There are different kinds of waves. You know, sound waves, light waves, it's all radio waves, waves, man. It's all waves. seismic <laughs> waves, ocean waves, ocean waves. You, okay. <laughs> waves do not travel in a straight line. What they do is they travel the fastest path, which is often a straight line. It makes it really easy for scientists to calculate if you know where um, a light wave is where it will be in a future time and so what they've done is they said what happens if we could interpret where a light wave was going to be and we put something in its path that made it easier for it to break apart and go around the item instead of going through it or bouncing off of it this doesn't exist in nature. This isn't like a naturally occurring phenomenon, but scientists made these meta materials that when you do your calculations, right. And you can put this tiny invisible little like molecule, it will split a light, light beam will go around it and then reconverge on the other side. It's like if you put a rock in a river, you'd see the river split around and then come back around. And so the function is instead of when you're looking at something, you don't see the light bounce off of the object. The light goes past the object and keeps going. So you can't perceive the thing that it's past because no light is hitting it. It's essentially invisible. You're not able to perceive it. The downside of this is it only works if you're like one molecule big. <laughs> if you could conceivably create something where you could calculate every single light wave that would hit a person as they're moving and put that thing on their body, yeah, yeah. then you would have total invisibility. But at this moment, they've only figured out how to do it on like a molecular scale. They've done it with radio waves, which I guess are like slower than light waves, but they think that it could be you know, like the like grand ideas, it, you could ski, size it up from a, a one microwave to, you know, in a, like a, an earthquake would essentially just pass around a city and keep going. Mm. And so the city wouldn't actually get hit with an earthquake. Like you could, like that's kind of like the applicate, like the grandest applications <laughs> that people could think of. Um, but yeah, so invisibility. If you are. One molecule big, you could <laughs> be invisible. <laughs> well, I, while I will say semantics on that one, you did not in, talk about mirrors even once. So, thank God. Looking in the mirror every day and seeing nothing there. It's an overrated pleasure. No, I was no, because that's not really invisibility. That's an illusion. I know. The last thing, I guess, that I should add on to circle back to Buffy is, you know, Words have meanings. Invisibility doesn't just mean superpower invisibility. People also use it in other contexts, like social contexts. They feel invisible. That's how we get Marcy, right? Out of mind, out of sight. Have a nice summer. Have a nice summer. This girl had no friends at all. And so I read this article that was really interesting saying like, you know, we have these words for invisibility, you know, where people aren't being seen for the things that they're dealing with. Like one of the examples was lesbian invisibility, like within queer communities. Um, it's real. But the idea is like, so it's like the idea is that 
Invisibility when you choose it is a superpower. Invisibility when it's put upon you and you don't want it, like is um oppressive. is oppressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it's like if you don't want to be perceived, so you can do hanky things, then that's awesome. If you do want to be perceived and no one's noticing you, that really fucking sucks. So it's one of those like double edged swords. Also functional invisibility, I guess. Going back to the definition of what is invisibility. If I don't see it, I don't notice it. Does that count? (laughs) There's a woman in the forest and I don't see her. Is she invisible? (laughs) (laughs) Right. The classic philosophical question. And if a tree falls on her and I don't hear her scream. (laughs) Is she dead? Is there a woman? Is she invisible? Why am I out in the woods? Can I take her head and bury it to become (laughs) invisible? (laughs) Does that count as suicide? Did she ask the tree to fall on her? I need to know. It's crucial. It's Thursday. Shit. (laughs) I'm going to have to put this in the refrigerator until Tuesday. Oh, no. Oh, no. Imagine trying to explain that to the cops. You're like, no, no, I didn't kill them. No, there's a normal reason that I have this head. Yeah, light's fucking weird, man. Visible spectrum shit is, is crazy. Like, you know, that weird sea shrimp that can see like 8 million colors that we can't see. Why yeah. does that shrimp have that power? <laughs> well, I got really bogged down on the whole definition of invisibility. And they're like, there's lots of things that humans can't perceive. Are they invisible? Like, are cells invisible? Right. Yeah, because yeah. you can't see them without a microscope. Like, is gravity invisible? Because you can't see it, but it acts upon you. Like, there's all these things that are constantly around you that you can't see, but like also have some sort of like physical effect. On your lives. Well, it's never caused conflict throughout history. People certainly have not been murdered over their heretical ideas about what is actually out there. Yeah. (laughs) This is very interesting. Well, I mean, as soon as you're like, the people only want to be invisible for bad reasons. And it's like, well, the military. It's five seconds until... (laughs) The the military and peeping toms. (laughs) Yes. yes, Riley's listening to this episode like, yep, okay. There you go, invisibility. Making a shopping list. It exists. And I didn't even talk about magicians once. (laughs) I know. I'm very impressed. Thank you for that. Thank God. Ooh, unidentified flying pizza coming in for a landing. Why is Buffy's instinct to be shitty, but we kind of tread over this, and if you Bro. were invisible, would you, what would you do? Uh, Same uh, questions. Uh, Although a little more specific. Okay, so, Stacia, do you think that Buffy was kind of being a jerk, or yeah. was it like lighthearted fun? I mean, I think she was having fun, but it's one of those things, and, you know, just to go back to my research topic, <laughs> but one of the um, areas that I, like, was looking at is um, the internet, like, the internet gives you in a sense of invisibility. You can be whoever you want. Like you as a you as yourself do not have to be perceived that way. So you can be a shithead online to people that you would never say those things to someone to their face. And I feel like the invisibility is giving Buffy that right. Like she never would have gone up to that lady and been like, Your hat's fucking ugly. God, her face is so good. I'm but so happy knowing that she it. would not be able to say see that it's Buffy and she wouldn't have any repercussions of that. Of course she's doing that. Oh, yeah. She's enjoying it. She's just an internet troll. <laughs> yeah. It's it just makes me sad because Buffy's supposed to be better than us. Daniel, do you think Buffy was being a jerk? Do you think this was out of character? Oh yeah. I mean I said Spoiler alert for later, but does Buffy have a personality? The answer is no, but we do know that she's kind of mean. <laughs> she would be mean to these people, and she thinks these, yeah, she's like, fuck this fucking hat. I mean, I get why she did it to Miss Kroger, but like, damn, damn. Uncalled for. Although I feel like it does solidify the like hypothesis of if Buffy had not become the Slayer, if she had not been called, mm. would she have been a mean girl? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. She was already that. Like, she and was it, a mean girl. She absolutely was. And then, like, gosh, she immediately devolves into her baser instincts of mean girling. What's wrong with you? Maybe because for the first time since I'm free. Free of rules and report. Free of this life. Free of life. Got another name for that. Dead. Uh, okay, so now we're locking in. You don't get a choice in superpower. You are invisible. And we're going to say, because I think the answers would be easier, that you can turn it off and on at will. It's like the cloak thing, right? It's like uh, or the Harry Potter cloak. Like You could put the thing on and be invisible when you need to or want to be invisible. What do you do while you're invisible, Station? I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I think I might want to go to a, to a Michelin star restaurant and steal someone's food and walk away with it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm trying to think of things I would want to do. I mean, like, I guess you could rob a bank, but that seems problematic. I don't really want to go peeping on anyone. So, like, what would it help me? Yeah. I would like to eat at a Michelin star restaurant, but, man, those places are fucking expensive. <laughs> yeah. I guess I could rob a bank and then go as a visible person to the Michelin star restaurant with go. my bank robins. <laughs> there right. you go. But it would be a lot more fun to like just I, like sit in the re- take their food and just sit in the restaurant and yeah. there's like people are just, just freaking out because food is like just disappearing into a thing. What the hell? I just have to stand next to the waiter as they're walking by and grab the plate and like disappear <laughs> into the coat room or something. Eat that plate. Wait until the waiter comes back out with a new plate. Grab that one. Disappear again. <laughs> All right, Daniel, what do you do while you're invisible? Uh, The only (laughs) thing I could think if you're trying to be a good person would be, and this would be very hard. Again, it's like you would go to places that are in dire need of people getting out of scary spots. You go to like a war-torn country. You can use that power for good. You can take people across enemy lines Mm. or something like that. That's true. That would be a good use of it. But then it's like, how do I get on that plane? Well, Am I buying a ticket? Am I jumping on with the cloak? The cloak is also problematic because with the cloak, you don't have full range of motion, right? Like when you're invisible, invisible, you can be whatever. Like the hollow man can be a creep because he's like, I'm out here and I'm going to attack you in your Mm -hmm. house and shit. But if I'm in a cloak, I'm just like hitting up. Maybe it's like a FEMA contamination suit. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Let's pretend it's like a jumpsuit, not a cloak, right? Like, so you, you have, it's a complete coverall. You have your full range of motion with your fingers and everything. Maybe it's a mascot uniform. Like you have to dress up like Chuck E. Cheese to be invisible. You have to put your big mouse head on. (laughs) (laughs) And instantly you just, see, if it was that, if it was that and not a cloak, if it was a cloak, then I think you would want to try to figure out a way to do good with it because other people can share it and use it or something. Mm-hmm. But if if you're going to – if you are just invisible and you cannot share that so you can't help someone else be invisible, it's really hard not to want to go and do bad things. I mean yeah. like I said before, it's just impossible to not want to steal. I, I just feel like I would just steal and I would steal <laughs> things and be done with it. Yeah. That's pretty but much I it. mean, you could say you want to steal all the money to get to a point where you can then help other people, right? True. So yeah, in the right. end, it's for good. Oh yeah, like a Robin Hood situation. Yeah, totally. Invisible Robin Hood. Nobody would ever know. And then I'm like, oh no, I'm just a, I'm just a billionaire. Yeah. But oh hey, here I go. I'm gonna spend for whatever, whatever. Yeah. You'd have to figure out more. You see, and then the life of crime then kicks in, right? Because then you have to like launder money. <laughs> right. But it is nice to be invisible. They come, feds come knocking, man. 
you're sitting in here and they're like, where are you? Where the fuck are you? Done. And then, I mean, you're genuinely gone forever. They'll never yeah. find you. The only innocuous thing I can think, which is technically still theft, would be to go to like a concert or something. Right. And you could just like stand on the stage and just be like. <laughs> that would, <laughs> so close. So that close. would be cool. <laughs> Until you got your ass fucking knocked out and then fucking right. trampled on. You see, yeah. you got to be real careful. Well, no, no, you'd be on. You could just be on the stage. Like you could literally. I'm like, I'm. I'm just gonna whisper in Josh Homme's ear while he's guitaring. <laughs> and then the bassist knocks your knocks you out. You fall into the crowd underneath their feet. They trample you to death. You're dead. Oh my god, you would have. You could time it so perfectly because I feel like sometimes you'll see singers and they'll like lean back and take a breath, and then you lean into the microphone and scream something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That would be great. That would be great. <laughs> you could also do pranks too. I mean, you could like because you could set up a, another microphone. Nobody would even notice. They wouldn't see you. You could just set up another <laughs> microphone, sit in the back, and just like read a read a book while it's going on, and they stop, and you're just like, "Hello, I'm." You know, nobody would ever know where it is. That right? would be I mean, good. That would be pretty good. Oh man. See, you could have fun. But then you would want to trip people and you would want to do what Buffy did and fucking take people's hats and shit. It would be so tempting to do it. It would be. And you would and I would go and just find like the worst people in the world. I would just find all the Nazis, all the right wingers. I just fucking push them. I just push them into walls and stuff. (laughs) And it would be amazing. Just constantly tripping one guy all day. I mean, you could you could have some great viral videos though, because you can set up that camera and you know you're going to be able to do it. You're not caught on the camera, right? So it's just like as he walks by, you just stick out your foot. Dude just topples over. It's great. You just send it off. Boom. Viral I mean, Buffy man. did have to strongly resist the urge to do that to those poor people jogging, which is like, <laughs> no. fuck. She's supposed to be better than us. <laughs> Okay. And she's saying it out loud too. Like those joggers heard somebody be like, "I'm gonna beat the shit out of this person." Nah, I'll just leave it for another time. <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck? Oh man, what is this? Oh, all so work good. and no play make Doris a dull girl. What? All work and no play make Doris. The pages are filled with. It. Uh, I I I I didn't do this. I it was the voice. Excuse me? There was a voice before. It made my coffee dance. It told me to... To what? Nothing. So Dawn is pissed, and Buffy just says that uh, she's mad at me for letting you, Willow, get her hurt, basically. like, Because yeah. I should have noticed that you were an addict. <laughs> Super junkie for weeks and weeks and months, even. Right, right, right. Well, nobody's mad. Relapse is a part of recovery. We understand that. We just have to figure a way to fix it. Fix what? Fix Buffy. Buffy's broken. Do you do you think that Dawn does blame Buffy for Willow's actions? Is that's why she's mad? Do you think she's mad about teen stuff? She's being a teen. I have no idea. I don't know that it's reasonable to be mad at Buffy. Oh, like, I don't think so at you all. You also didn't realize anything was wrong with Willow, and then you waited in that room for, like, two hours. Like, you could have <laughs> burst in there any time, or you could have just left. Yes. I just, like, whatever. I think it's too uh, angst. That's my yeah. guess. I mean, she's just, like, like, I lost my mom. I lost, you know, my mother mom. Uh, I'm losing Willow, my other mom. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> so it's many like, moms I lost my sister mom. Now <laughs> yeah. she's back, but she's still checked out. <laughs> and probably there's like a deep down, it's like I lost my uncle, like creators. So like I'm probably sad deep down about that too. <laughs> that we just don't perceive. We just don't understand. Oh, so Uncle Monk. Yeah, no. <laughs> uncle Monkle. Um, no. <laughs> So yeah, I just think she's she's just you know lashing out at anybody really, you know, and and I and I suppose you know Buffy is like the head of the household. I mean that is kind of where you direct your ire. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. my assumption. And Willow has like kind of been cowed at this point. You know, she put Dawn's life into danger, so it's kind of like eh, I'm not going to beat up on you too much, but like you know, fuck Buffy, I'll take her down because I mean I'm I'm really mad. To be fair, Dawn is pretty dense. I think that she might even just be mad at. W- at um, Buffy because Buffy is the one that was throwing all the magic stuff away mm-hmm. and Dawn was very much like why do you have to get rid of everything I like Coco Pelli the fertility mm-hmm. statue is very important to me <laughs> you know I have a personality <laughs> candles we can't have candles Dawn it's a magic clearance everything must go but, but they're just candles I, I think it could be just that surface level that she's just the thing that immediately preceded this is why I'm pissed off and I don't want to mm. I don't even want breakfast now jerks come on don't get in a car accident <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> uh, do you think that Buffy could or should have done something differently with Willow we, I mean we talked about it in the last couple episodes because it's been the main focus of the episodes uh, on whether Buffy's kind of strategy or opinion is Willow's an adult, she can do what she wants to do. Should she have stopped Willow somehow? Is she responsible um, for not being more involved in this situation? Uh, I think she's responsible for not being more involved in where Dawn is at all times. She had no idea yes. that Dawn was out with Willow. I mean, not that... I think that even if she knew, she wouldn't have been concerned because you would think of Willow as a safe person. That being said, she's been so clearly checked out that there has been an example where neither of them came home and Tara stayed with her. So, like, this has been an ongoing thing where Buffy just doesn't know where Dawn is, is not actually acting as her guardian. They would both assume that the other people are doing the job. Yeah. And you're right. If, if she was, like, the, the when the accident happened, she was with Willow. That's the safest place to be. And it wasn't the safest place. So it kind of yeah, because Spike even makes a joke about that. Like, oh, she's with Willow? Yeah, great excuse to come and see me. Yeah. You know, she's totally yeah. fine. Well, and I think, you know, if you're Willow, you think, well, yeah, I'll take care of Dawn. I care about Dawn, but, like, I'm not her guardian. You know, Buffy's the one who should be keeping track of her. But then if you're Buffy, you're like, well, Willow's my best friend. She's a safe person. I trust her with Dawn. She took care of Dawn while I was dead. I'm not worried about it. And then you get this mess where no one cares about Dawn. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nightmare. Um, more about Dawn. Do you think that it was weird that Buffy, or gosh, that Dawn totally freaked out about Buffy being invisible? She seemed to like really go over the top in that moment. What was that about? That was so stupid. Why was it stupid? <laughs> okay, this was going to be in my yelling, but I'll just say it now. Um, she yelled, how can I talk to you if I can't see you? And I was like, have you never used a phone? <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> Just hold the phone to your pretensions on the phone then. <laughs> well, why do, why do you think she got so mad? I don't. Daniel, you know, why did she so mad? It. The script demanded it. Is the <laughs> yeah. It makes no I mean, sense. 
I guess if you're already mad at Buffy and then she's invisible and she seems very like flippant about it, she's not worried, and you're just like, oh my God, you're going to disappear from me again, that that would trigger some shit for you, maybe. It, but inverse, inverse the, the message that came in. Have Dawn hear the message and have Buffy come in after she's heard it and be like, oh my God, Buffy, 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 and like looking around. And then Buffy maybe like is like, Hey Don, I'm here. You know, yeah. where, where am I? All that. And then it's like, God damn it, Buffy, you're fucking gonna die. Like, what's yeah. going on? What the hell? <laughs> just invert that, and it works a lot better. Because otherwise, yeah. what the fuck? Don's just freaking out about what? Yeah. If if um, Don had heard the message, and then Buffy comes into the room, flying the pizza and acting flippant, and then Don's like, "What the fuck? You're dying." <laughs> <laughs> that would make a lot more sense. Yeah. So. The script, actually, um, the lines of dialogue, there's a couple of lines that Dawn didn't say that I think would have made this feel a little bit better because then it's like she's not actually mad that you're invisible. She's mad that you're, like, metaphorically not here, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the script, I should have just kept it up, but she basically says, why aren't you mad that I snuck in? Why don't you care where I was for the last couple of hours? You know I was supposed to be home right after school. Like, why aren't you grilling me? And then Buffy just responds by saying, I thought you didn't like when I did that. And then we kind of carry on with the scene. Uh, but I think that that makes that a little more like, oh, she's just projecting it onto the invisible thing. It has nothing to do with that. She's just like, why don't you care about me? Why yeah. are you paying attention to me? Jesus fucking Christ. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, so I'm surprised they took it out. I think it's because they didn't want this. They wanted this episode to be stupid. They wanted this episode to be yeah. goofy and not have any fucking yeah. gravity at all. And I don't know why. Well, I will say in um, Attack of Dawn again, <laughs> like clearly, Attack of Dawn. yeah, well, instead of in defense, yeah, I, know, I, know, I don't know. In Attack of Dawn. In offense of Dawn. <laughs> Um, clearly you see her sneaking in, right? She opens the door, she peeks, she walks all the way through, she looks around, she looks at the open refrigerator and then just continues to walk. And I'm like, <laughs> if you saw the refrigerator just wide open, would you just leave? Wouldn't you shut it first? The Summer's household is a fucking zoo. <laughs> it, at, like, I, I was gonna put this in the alley too, but the fact that Willow fucking was gonna make an omelet and then decided not to and just threw the shit on the, she the made counter the whole for someone else to deal like, with. I'm going to bed and sets it down. <laughs> going to bed at 10 a.m. Bye. <laughs> I haven't thought of it in a long time, but I mean, the monks, I thought of them all the time because exactly that. I was like, she didn't know anything because the monks didn't know the intricacies of refrigerators and shit. And then she learned <laughs> from like animals. Like she has no clue because yeah. she's never like watched a TV show that like you just shut the fucking fridge when you're done. And like you just like it's wild. And the monks just did not prepare her. Fucking monks. Two shutouts. Not positive. Well, I got paint scrapings and the tire mark. I'm going to find this van that's been stalking Buffy. Well, I think I'm just going to take this moment to remind everyone that we're real podcasting. You can find us everywhere at Beep Me Pod. At Beep Me Pod. You know, it's like if the apocalypse comes, beat me. Pod. Just beat me. Pod. Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. We have a website. Beat me. Pod. That WordPress.com. It has notes about our show. Like, if we reference something, then, you know, it might be there. Or if we play a little clip from something, hey, it might be there. Uh, it would also have a link to our Spotify playlist, which is real, and you can actually get to it now. Not that you couldn't before at all, but uh, you definitely can now. Uh, it's going to be Beat Me hyphen Fun Time playlist for podcast fans. Season 6. So if you want to find that on Spotify, just search that, and I'll have all the music that we play in our show, as well as all the music that's on this show that's available on Spotify. This show, our show. Buffy's show and our show. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, let's move on to yelling. Sign me out, right? 
Yeah, I'll just start uh, with Buffy cutting off her hair. What an insane thing for somebody to do with a little tiny bit of stress. And the first thing that she does <laughs> is go and find the dullest bit of scissors. This works in theory if they had thought ahead. And, and every time that she changed her hair, we went through a really stressful situation. And we could tell as the audience, like, ah, oh, fuck, here we go. Here's here's the shit's getting right bad. Here. Shit's getting bad. Where she's got the scissors, <laughs> but this comes off as in absolutely unhinged behavior. I'm oh, I'm really sure. scared for her because who does shit like that? Who does shit like that? <laughs> well, I think when we watched it, and maybe I'm wrong, but this is like right after the whole her whole interaction with Spike and Kelly had said something like, "Wow, uh, Buffy's really horny" because she kept doing all those <laughs> gross moans when yeah. Spike's like reaching into her pocket. <laughs> And she goes oh, upstairs no. and starts hacking her hair off. And it made me think about the Sex House episode with Riley, where that girl cuts off all her hair as like a punishment for thinking oh, about sex. And I was like, is this what she's doing? <laughs> my hair must pay the penance of my disgusting thoughts. Are you good, Fag? I'll get horny. I mean. Oh, my God. If only there was an orgasm wall. On- oh. <laughs> we don't need it. In fact, we, we had an orgasm wall and then the house collapsed. Uh, Stacia, you want to go? Oh, um, sure. Uh, I thought when Jonathan yelled, you penis, that was just really funny. <laughs> oh, my God. So good. <laughs> uh, Xander's fucking oblivious. Xander is the most oblivious human that's ever lived. So dumb. Spike has got, I assume, his hands in Buffy's pants. Otherwise, again, with like she's just like out of control fucking horny. Yeah. So he like touched her side and she was like, ah. But it seemed like they were insinuating his hand was in her pants. And Xander's like, what are you doing over there, Spike? You rascal. <laughs> like, Dude. And then, you know, the naked push-ups, obviously like. Oh, my God. Best case. Best case scenario. That guy is fucking his bed. He is <laughs> or something bed. else in his bed. Yeah, but like, yeah. I, I what do you? This come would on. Be, this would be more believable to me to be like, oh god, I walked into something I was not meant to see. If you're Xander and you didn't already know Buffy was invisible, but like you hear like the girlish moans at the beginning. Clearly, he's like swatting something away. We play so fast and loose with people not being able to hear her. Like, yes. sometimes people can definitely hear because she's talking to them, but other times she's making very loud fucking noises and everybody's like, oh, I don't hear anything. What? What? <laughs> oh, I guess he was just doing push-ups on his bed. Now, clearly he didn't believe him, yeah. but still, like, the reaction was not one of some- walking into somebody fucking their bed. Is like- it so completely unbelievable that Buffy would have sex with him that even when he knows Buffy is invisible and Spike appears to be having sex with an invisible person, <laughs> he cannot put two and two together? No. <laughs> After seeing her get fucking fingered in the kitchen, like, oh my God. <laughs> just like, Xander, come on, dude. Come on. <laughs> Not a good look for him. Yeah, R.I.P. to Allison Hennigan at the very end. I'll just kind of skip around here. Um, because <laughs> she had to do, she had to be, I mean, imagine filming that. So so Sarah Michelle Gellar is off. She is not in this episode anymore. And mm-hmm. she is just being tugged by strings, probably. And it's probably David Fury in them because the others were ADR'd as well. So you just have David Fury and maybe like, you know, who fucking knows who's on the set. You know, three randos. You guys are just going to read the lines. So Allison Hennigan is just <laughs> acting by herself. <laughs> no one else is there. Yeah, Stacia pointed that out. Like, oh, this is not <laughs> not great for Allison Hannigan. Oh, the the first uh, moment when she's in their basement and she and they like restrain her or whatever, and she hikes her little arms. She's up. like a weird scarecrow. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, this is not <laughs> Willow's best acting. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I mean, what are you gonna do in that scene that uh, you know that you were just talking about with them in the arcade? The the way that David Fury made the camera be like circle mm-hmm. to be like they're over here. I thought that was kind of interesting because we don't 
break the fourth wall often, other than they mean like must be Tuesday, yeah, yeah, kind of thing. I don't think we ever really do visual gags like that. So I did not like it. I don't really have that many good ones. I said most of them, but I also thought it was funny when Buffy had the social worker in her house and the social worker's like looking through her box of magic stuff and she pulls out like the oregano. She's like, it's not what you think. It's magic weed. It's magic As weed. if that's somehow better. It's just <laughs> like instead of then being like, no, 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 it's just, it's herbs. My friend's like a weird, whatever. She's gay. It's fine. You wouldn't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of the social worker, Stacia, tell me all the inaccuracies oh, no. of the, the, the right. what is it, Department of Human Services, Health and Human Services, DHS? Uh, well, in Oregon, it's Department of Human Services. Yeah, tell me everything wrong with this. Okay, listen, we're in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> Things might be different in California. What do I know? <laughs> I work in juvenile law, so I have a little bit of an understanding about how Oregon handles things. I have no idea how California handles things. That being said, this is a really weird interview. Um, it seems as if, from everything we've gathered from the interactions with this caseworker, that there's an ongoing dependency case or guardianship case or something where the state is looking into Buffy as a viable caregiver for Dawn without any other interaction with the state that we've seen. I guess we haven't decided that it's that important until this point to talk about this. Mm -hmm. But um, We need to fill those 20 minutes. That being said, Buffy having a roommate, Buffy having some guy at the house... Um, Buffy having oregano, like, yeah, those things look bad, but also that would not be enough for a caseworker to come in and say, I'm taking your kid. Is it also not, not weird that Dawn wasn't there? Like, don't they normally want to see the kid in the environment or does that not necessarily the case? I mean, it depends on the visit, but yeah, usually the caseworker wants to see the kid, but sometimes they might just be talking to the parents. And also the other thing with this is if, if the state gets involved with a family, Generally, if the kid is at home, the parents or the guardians have to do services because essentially the state's saying you're an unsafe parent because X, Y, and Z. I need you to take a parenting class. I need you to take a DV class. I need you to go to therapy with your kid, like whatever it is to like ameliorate the situation. Clearly, Buffy's not being asked to do any of that. So it's like the state's coming in and they're saying, we don't really like these things. Bye. And come back <laughs> later. We don't like these things. We're going to take your kid. Bye. Like that's not, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> There's no immediate, because the requirement in Oregon for the state to take your kid um, is like there needs to be an immediate threat of harm. Like you need to look at the situation and say, if I don't intercede, there is a high chance that Dawn is going to be harmed living here. In these situations, she is not. It's obvious. Like, yeah, she has bad grades, but, like, you can't take someone's kid away because they have bad grades. Yeah. Can you can you take the kid away for being truant constantly, like, if they're not going to school? It can become an issue where it's, like, the parents can't provide for the needs of the child is essentially how it gets, like, phrased as, like, maybe they need services or they need mental health services or whatever it is. It's, like... The child has needs that are greater than the parent can provide. So then the state will step in and say, we'll provide those services. Maybe they have to go to a placement where they're getting, you know, a structured day and counseling and group sessions and those kinds of things. But Dawn is like not at that point. She's not breaking the law. She's not getting like um, in uh, trouble that, that, the, that the state knows of. <laughs> <laughs> not stealing from people that aren't her friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this just seems ridiculous. I mean, obviously, they're trying to make it seem 
scarier. Well, what's that probation thing? Was that bullshit too? Like, you're going on immediate probation. What does that mean? What? I mean, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, in Oregon, when the state steps in and you have an in-home plan where the kid is living with their guardian or their parent, there's usually a safety plan, which essentially says, these are the things we need to see from you so that we can guarantee the kid is safe in your care. And obviously it depends on the family and what the issues are, but it might be, you need to have clean um, UAs going forward so we know you're not doing meth. Or you have to stay away from your abusive ex-partner um, or whatever it is. Like you're not allowed to see those people. The kid's not allowed to be around those people. You have to keep your house clean. Yeah. And then the caseworker will come in and say, are you doing these things? Is the house filthy? Is the person who's not supposed to be here here? Do you seem high? Like, those are the <laughs> issues you would very clearly know. And then they would take steps to say, look, court, like, they're not handling their business. And we've given them all these options. Like, they have a drug habit. We sent them to rehab. They're still relapsing. The kid's getting, you know, whatever. Um, really understand that. Into these unsafe situations. But that's... Again, not what's happening here with Buffy. They haven't actually narrowed down what the issue is aside from Don having bad grades and skipping school. That's why it's so weird they threw this in here. It's just like with Flooded that they, when they were like, wait, how is Buffy paying the bills? Yeah. And then, well, yeah, we don't need to worry about it anymore. It's fine. We talked yeah. about it. It's over. He's like, how does she have guardianship of Don? Yeah, it's I don't know. <laughs> She's- oh, guess she does. And now the state's in... Uh, Interviewing her. Yeah. yeah, my guess is that they print off that sheet at the office that says the state of California versus, and they just fill it in. Buffy Summers. And they're like, this is case number. Da, da, da. And it's like, no, she's the first time she's ever hearing about it. But I mean, unless we believe that everything they go into is like the case of California versus this family every single time they go to a home. What the fuck, guys? I mean, the, I feel like the state of California versus the Summers family is step 20 on the process of whatever's happening yes. here. And this is step one. <laughs> yes, because there's definitely a period where DHS will investigate a family to see if there are actual safety hazards before they step in and say that the court should give the state um, legal custody of the child. And the other thing is, again, I don't know about California, but in Oregon, these laws, they aren't meant to be punitive for the parents. Like, the idea is that the state is supposed to be working to reunify the child with their guardians. So, it would never be state versus Buffy Summers. Like, you know, because they're not against Buffy Summers. They're working towards the best interests of the child. So, even though maybe, you know, like, Dawn missed school before, you can't hold that against her currently if, you know, Dawn's at school today. <laughs> like, yeah, that kind of thing where it's not a current imminent safety threat because historical allegations don't actually prove that the child is right now in harm. And that's the sort of basis of what the state needs to prove to be involved like this. It's a four-second interview, and it's like, I'm taking your kid away. Bye. What? It was ridiculous. That's amazing. And then, and then it was like, yeah, you would think that the caseworker would want to come and see Dawn, but then was like, oh, Dawn's late for school. Like, you knew Dawn wasn't even going to be there. Bizarre. And Xander took her to school. Has that been happening this whole time? Does Xander Not take her to school right. every day? What the fuck? No. I mean, I'm trying to think. I, we did see Joyce take Buffy to school at least one time. At least for multiple sure times. in the multiple very times. first episode of the show. But yeah, multiple times, right? So... Theoretically, it's farther, far enough away that you like it'd be worth driving. But also, they've walked back and forth to school multiple times too. So, if man, if, if Xander is taking her to school every day, that's pretty fucking rad. Like, 
thanks, dude. Someone's fucking taking care of her. But I also feel like we've seen Dawn just walk, too, mm-hmm. right? Like Buffy, yeah, at the end of Life Serial or, or Flooded mm-hmm. or one of them, she gets hands her the, the lunch. Mm-hmm. What the shit's going on? Maybe sometimes Xander's just like, yeah, I'll take Dawn on my way to work today. I think sometimes she catches a ride with friends. Mm. Who knows? It's a mystery because we don't care about Dawn. Oh, I got it. Really? Yeah, we'll put Tahofren at your parents' table and move your Uncle Rory to table five near the bar. I liked the jump cut that they had after Buffy gets turned invisible. We jump to Anya and Xander at the magic box, and um, I think it's Xander that says, where's Buffy? She's gone. (laughs) And so, of course, you think she's invisible, but they're talking about the seating chart. So good. good. Classic Buffy I don't know if you guys could see the seating chart. Oh. So table one, uh, we're going to start with Willow and Tara sitting next to each other. Tara is a question mark, though. So we don't know. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, also, if you're interested, John and Lori Lane are there. I can't read some of them. It's just not a good enough quality. Uh, but but John and Lori Lane are going to be at the wedding. Table two Thank has God. Roxine Griffith, cousin Kevin, Aunt Vera, and Uncle Ernie. Uh, table three has Pat and, Al- Pat and Alan Clausen, Charles Hutchins, and Joel Gallen. Complete unknowns. Uh, I'm going to go to skip table four because that's where Buffy is. Table five has Carla and Brian Hemmel and Bob and Chris Sesco. Table six is a mystery. I cannot tell anyone there. Buff Table four, though. I hate bu- table four because we've got Buffy. <laughs> we've got Xander's mom and dad sitting next to Buffy. We've got Giles at that table. Uncle Rory at that table. And Grandma and Grandpa B. Uh, they, I can't read the B. They have Grandma, Granny B, and then Grandpa B. So probably the same last name, but it's like a longer name. Why is Willow, who knows Xander since childhood, not sitting next to his <laughs> parents. Why is Buffy there? I, I will I not. Know. I will not stand for that. Uh, and then I was like, "Where the fuck is Dawn? Is Dawn invited? <laughs> Dawn. Dawn is at the table underneath four. If you're watching the show, and the unnamed umbered table. Right. So, like, I know, you know the kids' on, table. <laughs> either the kids' table, or it's kind of like you're like up there with all. You know, if it's that kind of thing, or oh, like she's in the she's party. There. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Because where the fuck do you put Don? I mean, you probably put her next to Buffy. That's well, a good question because I mean, Buffy, Willow, and Tara are in the party, so they would not be right. At so a table, I don't, right? and I don't Why think not? that even matters. I think oh. these tables are just for like you know, you did the wedding, they're in the party, whatever. But everybody's still going to sit at the table. Where are Xander and Anya going to sit? See, that's the thing too. So I would assume that they're actually going to be either at that big table, you know, in the you know. Like, they're not going to sit with all of them, right? They're going to, like, sit off. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, Well, I know, but I don't think that's a requirement. This is after the actual wedding. This is the reception. So I think they could sit at a round table with everyone else. Mm, true, true, and true. if I can't see it, I mean, I, I almost guarantee you that there is no Anya and there's no Xander from, like, the names I can make out. So they are mm. not part of these six tables. But they could be on a table that I didn't capture or I didn't see. But Dawn is there, upside down. And by no herself to go yeah on an well, there is another name there but that i can't tell either um yeah. so yeah who knows they're probably all just what production teams or made up names i wonder yeah. who these people are just friend of people in the art department i thought i'd spend the day fishing the net buffy types incredibly fast for someone who's never used a fucking computer beyond the one time she was in jenny calendar's class i just gotta that say you know of impressed impressed what the hell she doesn't even have a computer right isn't that just i know the purview of Willow, like come yeah, on. absolutely. Buffy's not allowed to have a computer. Uh, Xander, when he walked in on um, Spike fingering Buffy, um, <laughs> I'm just gonna use your phrase. Kelly. Um, <laughs> he says, "Good Godfrey Cambridge, Spike." 
Still trying to mack on Buffy? Um, I was like, who the fuck is that? So he apparently was a comic actor, a black comic in the 50s and 60s. He died in 1976 at the age of 43. How the fuck does Xander know this person? And like, he was like on the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah, he was on like the old Tonight Show. Okay. But he's been dead in this world for almost 30 years. So 25 years. What are we doing? How does he know this? Maybe Xander's a secret, like, student of comedy, and he just, like, loved this guy for some reason, yeah. you know? You could build he's got Xander's depth. personality out. I mean, that dude, because he always gets all the writer's references, so he's, like, basically the writers, you know? Yeah. But I, that seems a bridge too far. I mean, unless he's in something really famous that I just, I didn't recognize anything from his IMDb, so. Uh, I would like to know what uh, Willow's forensic process is oh my to God. locate oh. the trio. She gets a scrape of paint. Which, I mean, she already knew it was a black van, right? We already know this description from Buffy. We know it's a black van. She has a scrape of black paint. So does she, like, chemically analyze the makeup of the paint to narrow down the manufacturer? 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 Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Yes. That's fucking wrong. Manufacturer. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um... And then she's got a tire tread. So, what? She's like, somehow you're like cross-referencing black vans with a specific paint type that have specific tires, which of course the DMV database has listed what kind of tire each van has. And then on top of that, we see her sitting in front of a laptop at her house. But yet she has to go to the espresso pump to hack into the DMV. Like, why are we doing this? We don't want to trace it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's the only thing I can think is that she was oh, like, I want to do my hacking from a public terminal. <laughs> and also, what's Razzle? I noticed that. The, the, like, what is this? Is that the name of the web browser? What I thought is it was it? a browser. And I can't find it. There's nothing. No information you on, know, on You know what or, it is? Or Enum behind it or whatever. Yeah. You know what I think it is? It, that this is not actually a web browser, that this is a screen grab, and then they put it into an image. Like, you know, they like just did a screen print and then pasted it into an image file, and then they named it Razzle. And then, then when they... Popped it up. They're like, oh. That looks like something that they just took from Microsoft Paint and just put it right on top of it. Like if you were going to cover up a logo, you just write, oh, Razzle, put it in there. Like it looks <laughs> – the fidelity of it is so much crisper and clearer than the rest it's, of this whole image. Yeah. So. Do you think that whoever in the art department did that was like, give them the old Razzle Dazzle? <laughs> God, probably. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I, – I can't – I there's no – there is no amount of sciencing that the best fucking CSI team in the world could do with a tiny scrape of paint and a fucking tire tread. You're not finding that car. You're not finding that car. Especially without magic. Especially without I magic. Mean, if you knew the make and model of the van, you could narrow down to just black vans that are within a three mile sure, radius or but something. She did it. But then you would have to go on foot to every single one and check the tire tread. And I mean, I guess maybe Willow implies she did that because she said her feet are killing her. But then she gets to a van, she looks at it, and she's like, okay, I'm going to go into the basement. She doesn't even, like, go to examine. Like, we don't get, like, a magnifying glass or, like, a ruler or, like, she's not, like, holding up a picture of the tire tread. Yeah. Nothing, Nothing like that. She just wanders into their basement. And, of course, you see this massive sign that says invisibility ray, and she's like, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you the only thing she could go on because she definitely doesn't know that what the makeup model of the van is. We know they don't know that for sure. I know, it's just a black but van. But black and van 
Maybe. With tires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just like, uh, it it's take a really. a long time to search that. A There's no way. Time. And they could it have was been ridiculous. from Utah. And then what? You're fucked. And we showed them painting the van at the beginning. I know they were putting like a Star Wars decal on it, but still, there's no telling. Like the paint is so irrelevant. You know it's a black van already. Oh my God. Okay. All right. But I they just, threw a tarp well, on it, so it's sus. That's, that's, oh, how, that's how she knew. God. Uh, Spike is way too chill about a stranger who is invisible giving him a blowjob. <laughs> I mean, like, I know. <laughs> like, he's, he's like, Buffy? But like, he was totally fine and going to let it happen even before that was confirmed. He was just like, this is great. I'm. Wait a second. Wait a second. I know who this is. But like he would have been fine if it wasn't. I just like he goes from ah oh, this ghost is gonna attack me to well oh, fuck it. It's fine. Ghost sex. <laughs> Ew. Xander. What happened? A- an unpleasant tactile experience, like putting my hand in pudding. Uh, Xander calling Harmony a simpleton tracks for me, but when he <laughs> says that Drusilla is a nutsack, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> What does that mean? Oh, man. I guess she was saying nutcase, but it was a more fun way to say that. (laughs) Nutsack. Okay. Nutsack. This episode has Uh, to be E for explicit. I mean, this is just... (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. Honestly. Uh, Stacia, did you have any more? Uh, The last one I had was the um, horrific, like, CSI bump bump line that Anya says at the end when he's like... Xander's like, if this is happening to the traffic cone, it'll happen to Buffy. And then Anya goes, she's pudding. Sunglasses. Out of nowhere. Oh, God. I just have a question. Air hockey mallet? I, is that what they're called? I have no idea. I, I mean, I was like, that's not what they're called. And I was like, wait, what, what would you say? Plastic. Cuppy yeah, no, I don't have a good answer. Thing. I used to play a lot of air hockey as a kid, and I don't yeah. know what I would possibly call it. I mean, I'm fine with mallet, yeah. I guess, but it just doesn't. I wouldn't. Mallet to me means a thing with a handle, you know, mm, like yeah, a like, like a, a hammer. hammer. Yeah, but I don't know. I you don't have a better word sticks. for it. So fine. I mean, that's what I. You know, you would just be like, mm. even though it's not a stick, but it's like that's what you're mimicking. So like, eh, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, I can see that. Um, the last thing I have to say is, how did Buffy or Xander or Giles? Or Willow, or anyone, Oz, or Cordelia, Whoa. or Angel, or why do we want to call him Percy? What's his name? His name is not Percy. Wesley. Wesley. Why do none of them know about the flying monkeys at the high school? Why do none of them know yeah. about the flying monkeys at the high because school? Because it was clearly such a huge failure that no one even noticed, which is the joke. Uh, Jonathan did. Run, Juliet. <laughs> so, like, why did I just, it feels crazy. I mean, do we imagine that Angel is going to that high school play? No, no, fair enough. But I'm just saying, like, of all of our friends who are keyed into the supernatural, how did none of them ever know about or talk about? There's a fuck ton of supernatural shit happening all of the time. How could you keep track of it all? And it was clearly such a, like, low-budget, ineffectual thing (laughs) that no one knows who he is, which is the whole joke. (laughs) But I like that you named every single character on all I love that you drug Angel into this. Like, he's Old, insold, <laughs> hulking vampire. How could he have not gone? <laughs> Why don't they know about him in Plurt's Glurb? Fucking Percy. All right, uh, Daniel? Yeah, the final stuff I got here, I, I'll rattle them off pretty quickly. Um, back to the Munkles. Like, did they put Dawn into the system? <laughs> Insanity. Like, you did that, but you couldn't teach her how to tr- close a refrigerator door. Uh, taunting Miss Kroger with the kill, kill, kill. Like, oh my God. absolutely insane, so intense. number one. Number two. Uh, In number her two, normal other- voice. 
Yeah, I know. Which, that I'd was like, especially weird. Is that you, Buffy? What the fuck? Uh, and then she could have also <laughs> saved two other people, uh, a Maury Mojack and a Philip Eau Claire. Left them on mm-hmm. the desk. Those are two other people that probably got fucked over, just like her. Didn't think to even do it, yeah. which is terrible. Yeah. Um, Willow knew exactly where to go. All Xander said to her is that she's leaving the haircutting place. Once again, Sunnydale only has one haircutting place. So there's <laughs> no God. way that she couldn't misconstrue that, which is absolutely insane. Uh, the ending music, that fucking acoustic score. What the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> that was our learning, touching, feeling, growing moment. It was absolutely I think terrible. the touching feeling already happened. Oh, hey And finally. What's going on in here? I got a bunch of scared kids saying this place is haunted. Hey. Ain't you Buffy Summers who we interrogated over the mysterious death of your mother's boyfriend? Took a witness statement on those dead kids that even I couldn't remember? And eerily, and maybe this was just me, yelled freeze at you once before as you was fleeing the library after the murder of your friend? After you had punched me and flipped me onto my back earlier that day for resisting arrest in front of your principal? That one who got eaten by that snake? Maybe it was me that fired my weapon when you were at the sporting goods store on Devro three years ago. Wasn't that you that I heard about drunk assaulting sexual partners with a rubber stick? I mean, that's a little too close in this episode. Um, what, wasn't that you I saw pass into an active crime scene and look at the mutilated corpse of a body killed by, what was that mook's name? Yeah, that's right, Adam. My cousin twice removed on my ex-wife's side said that he solves you when you were at the military coalition of the former initiative plus the FBI CIA traipsing around in them woods looking for an extraterrestrial bug later found at your home a kitchen knife stabbed in its back. I mean, I yelled at you for my smoldering cop car when those bikers attack. You just go walking down the street without a care in the world. And don't you remember that you insulted my buddy's shooting and the efficacy of his firearm skills as he defended the people of Sunnydale Securities against the man in the elaborate costume calling himself a mafashnik or something? And now I'm being called to a haunting at this arcade and you's friend is holding a mighty large gun. But I don't have time for this. A civil servant named Kroger reported hearing voices from a coffee cup with a cow on it before she opened up fire at the social services office. Multiple fatalities. I gotta run. David Fury's wife! And that's Cammy. I mean, we never hear from her again. It makes it tracks. It tracks. It tracks. That was beautiful. Incredible. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. you thank as you. always. Ooh, uh, they're getting longer. So long. Um, I just, I never see it coming. I mean, I, I most, always forget. I was going to remark that like they just, they have a big fucking gun like object. I'm sure it looks like a super soaker, but it still looks like a fucking weapon. And he's just like, carry on. Go ahead. Does it not have the diamond in it that was stolen? Like, I mean, this yeah, is that like, too. The yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I give you my arch nemesis. Well, I know you just went on a tear, a I wonderful, beautiful tear, but now I still need you to update me on the watches. Yeah, we'll roll through <laughs> Reset. Yes. <laughs> Xander construction outfit watch, no. Maroon jacket watch, on your belt alert, no to both, as far as I could see. Don's piercing screams, no. Just Don disappointed looks in this episode. <laughs> Chips Ahoy, I said yes, because he announced when the door opened that if it was a ghost... Um, or whoever it was, that he hurts people like them. If you didn't have a chip in your head, you wouldn't say shit like that. So that's clearly uh, what's going on there. Is Willow becoming too powerful? A, yes, she is instantly blamed for every ongoing situation. (laughs) I'm sure that's going to keep happening. 
Yep. Uh, Buffy has a personality, no. And I said that she was a bit rude to Mojack and Eau Claire mm-hmm. and the purple star hat lady. And I feel yep. bad for them. Uh, and then everybody just sit down to Hoffer and watch. You're got yeah, I know. At long ah! fucking last, we get a fucking mention of his name. And I'm so excited. And he's part of the seating arrangement. I mean, not on the paper, but like, wow, I really want to go to that way. coming. I'm sure it's going to be really Five great. Five episodes. He will be here. I can't wait for them to get married. Uh, Tara, <laughs> well, Tara's not here, but and Willow are on the pot again. A lot of stuff here. Yeah, pretty sure that Willow has a pot leaf <laughs> on her shirt in that first magic clearance scene. Like, what the fuck? It's um, very similar. It's, if it's, not, that's what it is. Yeah, and then two witches, candles. Oh, sorry, or like bombs. Oh, I thought bongs. It was, no, no, oh, it's bongs. Bongs. No, right. it yeah, is. Like bongs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I was reading it back. I'm like, oh, shit, was it bongs? No, it bongs. No, no, no. So just like yep. bongs, bongs are like bongs, bongs everywhere you look. <laughs> the ham omelet would probably be super great for a wake and bake. Um, but like no one. But she doesn't it. eat it. But she doesn't even eat it, which is absolutely crazy. And then after that, she announces, oh, does she do this every time she takes a fucking nap because she's feeling not too hot and was going to take a tw- quick nap? OK, does she have to ask for permission? Is she just letting her know, like, I'm really fucking high? Like, what are we doing here? Maybe they've got their own <laughs> little way to talk to one another, which I do respect. Uh, Miss Kroger obviously frown- found the weed stash, um, which mm-hmm. I'm sure that Willow does call her magic weed regardless. Um, oh, yeah. Did anybody else notice that Willow was pounding water? First it was oh, yeah. Fiji, oh, yeah. then it was Poland Spring, and when that refrigerator opened up, you better believe there was an enormous bottle of Evian there. So, like, <laughs> she's pounding not only water, but three different types of water, and she has a problem. So much water. We need to talk about it more. I don't hear that. I've never, I've never thought about it. Uh, and then she's also super familiar with arcade security and has no idea the <laughs> optics of carrying an enormous gun in and out of <laughs> the arcade, which is wild. You, you have to be baked to do that. And also go on a search with the DMV database. Like, wow. Yeah, this is normal. This is who, fine. Who can sustain stuff like that? Michael Wicket, Amy Gothwatch, no, excuse me, no, uh, quasi-mystical quasi quantum properties to the diamond aren't quite people. So I said no to that. <laughs> Not quite um, people. Buffy charging $1 for everyone who asks if she's okay. I said yes, indirectly. Uh, Buffy sets a spike insinuating uh, that she's only there because she's invisible. She says, quote, uh, right, as usual, there's something wrong with Buffy. She comes, she came back all wrong. So kind of. I was going to see if you were going to say something about that. I think that counts too, because she's like, it's just like the inverse of that statement, right? It's like, are you okay versus is something wrong? Like something is wrong. So yeah, yeah, that totally counts. How many, how many dollars? Five to six, baby. She's six bucks, six bucks. Yes. Uh, books a million, nothing specific, but there were books consulted. Streets ahead, so many things. We got a city park in between roads that we've never seen before. There is parking enforcement now in Sunnydale. Absolutely incredible. We see the social <laughs> services department for the very first time. The DMV list that Willow was looking at, you think it's like uh, epic and there's lots of names. No, there's only six and they just started repeating themselves, which is a really great way to have things, uh, you know, it's a great way to look at databases. It's just a repeating infinitely database. Uh, 310 is all their phone numbers, which is the LA area code. Uh, and then we do have a couple of street names. Uh, we got Mayfield Avenue, which is where Stephen Jarvis lives. Stryker oh, Avenue, which is where Samuel Johnson lives. Main Street, which is where Cynthia Kalen lives. Walnut Grove is where uh, Jonathan lives. And th- so the car is in Jonathan's name. I didn't know that, I don't think. Uh, Field Avenue is Lauren Jackson. And then West Malagay is where Walter Mustard lives. So I don't know if this is like a little joke about Malibu and maybe a little joke about once more with feeling. I don't know. Plus the arcade wow. is new. We've never seen the arcade before. Yeah. So uh, 
I did, uh, that was just all done in the DMV list. Is that where you saw all this? And then it just repeated itself. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So canonically, the the van might be in Jonathan's name, but it's definitely like it would have to be registered to that address, which is Warren's mom's house. Oh, so that doesn't so make any sense. Blew, blew this up. We just blew maybe up. Jonathan oh. is living with Warren. Maybe. Maybe. We don't know where he lives. Maybe. I just assumed it was in Warren's name because it's at Warren's mom's house. Wow, right. And I feel like we've shown him and only him in the driver's seat. But maybe Jonathan drove it at one point. I guess that doesn't matter. Well, I think anyway. They've driven. I think they've all. Well, maybe not. I guess I don't know. And then finally, Giles' biggest KO. Um, he was invited to the wedding, so that's definitely great. Um, I think that he <laughs> mainly he missed the unpleasant tactile experience for me. That was the biggest one. And mm. he also missed a chance, which I'm sure he would have loved, to jump to conclusions like Xander did. Uh, after all the shit from the previous episode. And blame Willow. Really yeah. just blame on Willow. Uh, that would have been right up his fucking alley. So, yeah. Sucks, oh, yeah. Sucks for him. But he is invited to the wedding. That's nice. I'm sure that wedding's going to be great. Oh, yeah. It'll be perfect. And it's going to go off exactly as planned. Well, thank you for the updates. Yes. Uh, I'm glad that Buffy got another dollar. She deserves it. She yeah. does. She does. I'm Doris Kroger from Social Services. We had an appointment. Well, I do believe it's time to rank this sucker finally we're doing it it's happening willow hacks slash we talk about the net slash something something wicca this way comes no wicca it all got thrown in the garbage but by golly we're back fish in the net she's fucking said the words fish in the net thank god i gotta give her an eight i've never once i may have surfed in my day but fish i have never uh willow gets an eight for being a classic willow dork uh, Dawn needs an adult So She's mad at Buffy And she clearly needs Buffy's attention But Xander did take her to fucking school And Willow tried to feed her And she didn't get taken away by social services So <laughs> I'm gonna say this is trending better than worse So I'm gonna give her a six She's not an active danger She does have a sling on But that was from last week So it's all good uh, Monster of the week There is no real monster of the week I. It's hard with the the trio, right? Because I will, you know, kind of going back to Marty Noxon's quote and just like the obviousness of the way this season is formatted, the trio does feel like a monster of the week because they're such like a lesser evil. They are just like this thing that's a device. This time it was invisibility. Last time it was whatever the fuck. I don't remember. Annoying Buffy, right? They're, they're such a device in the way that monsters of the weeks are devices that you could kind of count it and it would be okay. But no, I refuse. Especially because in this episode we see Warren go true I'm the real villain guy, even oh, yeah. though Willow's the real villain guy, really. Uh, anyway, five, because I couldn't decide. Uh, life is the big bad, season six, the theme. Life is the big bad. I mean, the the social worker thing sucks, but we dealt with it immediately, and it didn't really actually cause any harm. Uh, and... Buffy wants to live, which is a good thing. And this is about how miserable we all are. And they're not really miserable in this episode. I mean, Willow's dealing with her mild headache. I don't know what her problem is right now. But uh, no no real soul-crushing Marty Noxon-style overwrought dramatic shit's happening. So five, five. Relationship goodness or badness? I mean, Dawn and everyone's kind of not great right now. Buffy yeah. and Spike is good, maybe, depending on your perspective of their relationship. Xander and Anya, things are going well. We're moving on with the wedding preparation. Six. Yeah. And episode specific. I don't want to die. That's something, right? 
so heavy and dark out of nowhere at the fucking very end of the episode. It was like, yeah, let's take 30 seconds to talk about real stuff. Two out of ten because I didn't appreciate it. If we were going to do it, we should have done it. Fucking jerks. Uh, ten out of eleven for the season. Ooh. This is right there at the bottom, but not all the way because all the way is at the bottom. You see? You see, all the way is number 11. This is 10, and Bargaining Part 2 is right above it at number 9. So, uh, oh, and real quick, you know, with all the new locations, I'm thinking what might have happened, or must have happened, is that they did go to Torrance for some reason to to film, like, the hairdresser and stuff, and so they just took advantage. They're like, everything in a six-block fucking radius, that's going in, that's going in. You guys got an arcade? Great, we need an arcade. That's going in. So I think that must be what it was, is that that's why all this shit happened, is that they were like, let's just, since we're on location for these two days anyway, let's just do all the things. Uh, Stacia, where did you rank this episode? I'm struggling. Well, that's fair. This episode's not good. Number one and number two. (laughs) 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 Where it deserves to be. Uh, Okay, I put this at 85 out of 111, which is the lowest of the season. Good! I think it deserves it. It does. Um, so what is, what's above and below? So yeah. it's uh, below Wrecked and Anne and above Dead Man's Party and Listening to Fear. Ooh, shots fired at uh, Dead Man's Party. I like Dead that Man's episode. Party sucks. I hate <laughs> Pam. I even put her name Leave in Leave Pam alone. <laughs> Pam. <laughs> that is a real name. <laughs> as far as we know. Okay, and what's our uh, description? Uh, Bovey is invisibility raid, invisible sex, <laughs> social worker visits. Dawn hasn't used a phone. <laughs> <laughs> that will need context ever. That'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll remember. <laughs> Dawn's never used a phone. Oh, and I, we haven't been consistently asking you, where's the dark age? Oh, Because um, it's straight in the middle still, right? So this should be like 30 yes. above it. Uh, it's ah, it's right here. Fifty-two. Fifty-two. Okay, yeah. Fifty-two cool. out of one hundred and eleven. So it's still holding pretty in the middle. Yes. Yes. The forever <laughs> barometer of goodness. Uh, <laughs> uh, wonderful. Well, thank you, uh, Daniel. It can't be last. So it's second than last. <laughs> one thirty-six. Yes! One thirty-seven. <laughs> I thought it was wrecked and smashed. That were bad. Fuck. This episode is bad. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, in the bottom, 134 is the only one open between 127, which is where Smashed is, down to 137. They're all taken by Choices, Ted, Puppet Show, Reptile Boy, Some Assembly Required, uh, Bad Eggs, Wrecked. Hater. Uh, so, all, so, and I feel bad. Sorry, Bad Eggs. You're way, you're way too low. And, uh, but yeah, no, it's, uh, I thought we would have, I mean, this was a really, really, really fun episode to do, but it really was just trashing on it. I mean, if it was ever going to move up, it would have been some good context stuff that I never thought about, but man, great episode of this podcast, horrible episode of this TV show. (laughs) One of the worst. Definitely. I wholeheartedly agree. Well, I'm glad we had a consensus. I feel like usually I'm the one fucking everything up, but, Mm -hmm. uh, this one was bad. All right, great. Well, we made it through, and now we don't have to watch this episode ever again until I inevitably do. But actually, I need to ask you if you have anything to say about this episode first. Oh, um, no. Daniel, do you have anything to say about this episode that we haven't already said? This, I never want to think about this episode again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what's next? I do. I do. Oh, because you saw my thing. Oh, penis. You know what? (laughs) It's old lady penis time. You know, I said what I said. Uh, 
<laughs> Double me, Palace. Get back. <laughs> I can't. You gotta move. You just don't talk about it. Keep keep going. Uh, Double me, Palace is next. Buffy's gonna get a job. Hopefully, that'll appease the social worker. We'll never hear from again. It's all gonna be fine. Bright orange stripy shirts. Double me, Medley. It's cooks when you cook it. Well, I don't know. There's something like zombies phrase they say all the time. Until. Oh, we God. see you again <laughs> next time for Dolby Palace. <laughs> Stacia, <laughs> say goodbye. Goodbye. Daniel, say goodbye. We've already said it multiple times, but Coca Pelli, no, I love him. <laughs> and he was Beat Me Pods. Why do we always have to get rid of so many things that I like? <laughs> uh, insert AJJ song at the end of this. Uh, wrote that. Cue Coca Pelli face tattoo. Wonderful. It's been a treat. I can't wait to do this next time. So we'll see you then. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. In the corner of a king tuck tomb with the haystacks Nothing can defeat the penis! I was a rat on a burning ship And when we sunk her fire got put I'm just trying to tell you that we have nothing in common besides both of us liking your penis. Just like the birth of underwear You penis! Hey dude, I hate everything you do But I'm trying really hard Oh, it's it's not a, a a gay thing, you know. I mean, well, she's gay, but 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 we don't gay. Not that there's anything oh wrong with, you know. I know what that looks like, but I I, I swear it's not what it looks like.